right, you are fired up, you are ready to go. All right, good to see everybody. I am so glad that you're here. I just wanna say thank you, thank you so much to our church family for praying for uh, my family, praying for me. I got sick, I was sick for a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks, but uh, I'm feeling so much better. I just wanna say thank you so much for praying for me. I did um, happen to get COVID, so I figured, you know, I'm around people all the time, and even with the vaccine, I figured, you know, I'm bound to get this thing. So um, unfortunately, I got that, and, uh, but I'm feeling so much better. I actually went to the hospital um, the second day I had it because my symptoms were just, I was just really dragging. And I happened to walk in, and the nurse that I saw at Mission Hospital, I was, I was there, and I said, I heard about this Regeneron that you can take because my wife has some uh, pre-existing conditions, and she says, well, come on in. And she had this button on her that says, y'all need Jesus. Isn't that cool? So I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. So um, thank you. I want to say thank you to Pastor Scott, uh, one of our associate pastors here who giving the word. Boy, he did a good job. I was still, you know, with you online. I was watching church online. It's not the same, but I just want to welcome everybody who's online with us right now, uh, live streaming. But he did a good job of just staying in the word and giving us the word about baptism and uh, communion, very important things in our uh, worship of the Lord. I also want to say that next Sunday is our baptism Sunday. I guess um, Lynn, who's been coming to our church for a few months, uh, gave out a message and she came to Next Steps and she's coming to Starting Point, which is a couple of things you saw at the beginning of the service that connect us in, and she wants to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and get baptized next Sunday. Isn't that great? So if that's you this morning, if you're thinking, you know, I really need to just step out and get baptized. I just want to give everything to Jesus. Uh, we want to invite you to do that right after the service. You can go to Connection Point in the back, and we will help you with that decision. And it's such a great thing to see people just regenerated, just reborn. Jesus says you must be born again, and being born of the Spirit is the most amazing thing that will ever happen to you, and uh, so we want to help you in that decision. Um, so glad that you're with us. We are going to be in the Word. I am so excited. Starting the month of December, I am starting the book of the, the Gospel of Luke. We're going verse by verse through the entire book. We're going to be there most of next year, and I just want to encourage you, start reading up into the Gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke has some incredible accounts uh, in Jesus's life that we're going to walk through uh, for those weeks ahead. So I just want to let you know that's, that's what's on my heart, what God told me to preach. So we're going to do it. At MBCC, we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Son and we believe in the Father. And we believe that he's here now. And I just believe the word of God is true. And when he said, you call upon my name, I am there. So let's pray because I want to get right into the word. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you, to be around your word, God, to listen to your voice, and God, to receive instruction from you, Holy Spirit. You're our teacher. You are a pastor. You're our senior pastor, God. And we look to you today for everything that we need. God, I pray anybody in this room today, anybody here that's just feeling hopeless or helpless or feel like they're just climbing up the wall and can't get over or whatever situation in life, Jesus, I pray that you come to our rescue. I believe that you can do anything, God, right now you can do the impossible in Jesus name and everybody said together amen 
Kind of a funny series I'm starting. This is just um, for the two weeks we're starting this series today called Stop Going to Church. I hope that maybe caught a little bit of your interest. Um, the reason I t- I'm titled to that, I think we've done something in church life in America, all the way from California to New York City. I think we've made the church kind of a place. We've made it a building. We made it an event. Like we're going to the movies, going to the football game, going to basketball, going to work. I'm going to church. And we've made church a place. And that was never the intent that Jesus Christ said when he talked about it in his word, which we'll get to in a second. When I got saved, I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. And the reason that I did that, I was so absolutely empty. I didn't have anything really to live for. I grew up in Mission Viejo, had everything anybody could ever ask for. I had wonderful parents, loving parents, supportive parents. Uh, They were the best that I could ever ask for. But even with that, there was something missing in my life. You know, there's a God-shaped hole in every single heart that is, is, is breathing and walking today. Do you believe that? And that can only be filled by Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. It's not really about religion. It's not rules. It's not going to a church building. Jesus is everywhere, man. So I went to this thing, a huge uh, teenage gathering, and uh, there's three or 400 high school students. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I hadn't even been to church. I went to church one time. Uh, and, and that was my church experience. I went there because I had to like go because my friend, we were partying on Saturday night. He says, you have to go to church with me if you spend that out of my house. So we did that. So I hadn't even been to church. I accepted Jesus, man. I heard about the love of God and, and I just said, that is what I've been searching for. And he just came into my heart and it's been just amazing. But through all that, man, I learned that now I need to go to this church thing. And I just want to be real honest with you. I was really nervous about going to church. I was scared about going to church because the church people are weird. They're going to do weird things. They're going to poke me, prod me, ask me questions, ask me about my sins, judge me. I had those preconceived ideas. The first time I came actually to Mission Viejo Christian Church, I was blown away at the people. Everybody just was so absolutely loving. They were caring. They met me for the first time. They wanted me to be in their circle. They wanted me to be in their community. They invited me in to come to Bible study and worship. And before I knew it, man, I was just caught up in these people that just love God. It was the most amazing experience that I, I, it's hard to even bottle what I'm trying to explain, but it was this place, this community of people that was absolutely transforming and God was working through the people. Now, I did did not go back to Missionville Christian Church because they're wonderful stained glass windows. In our, in our building right over here, there's actually some stained glass windows there. I, I didn't come because, wow, the parking lot is completely smoothed out. They don't have any bumps in the parking lot. You know, they have palm trees that are falling. I, I, I didn't come back because of the building. I didn't come back because of, wow, they have amazing screens. They got amazing lights. I didn't come because of that. I came because you you could have put up a a pasteboard box and I would have gone to wherever the people were. It was about the people. I connected so much with my youth pastor. We just started doing life together. He heard that I love playing tennis. He said, could you take me out on the tennis court and teach me tennis? And then he taught me the Bible. And then I came to Wednesday night Bible studies. And I was coming to Sunday morning worship services. And all of a sudden, we're on this bus going to Mexico, um, feeding homeless kids in an orphanage and, and helping build houses for families who had no house in Mexico, literally living under a tarp. All those things were life-changing because it was the church. And when we say church, we know that Jesus talked about people. I I remember one night when Ghost, remember when Ghostbusters came out? Those of you that are old enough to remember that. 
We kidnapped my, my pastor after we watched that movie, came over to his house like at 10 o'clock at night and said, dude, you got to come to Ghostbusters with us. The 1030 showing. We grabbed him, put him in the car, and a bunch of us just went and watched Ghostbusters. I say all that to say this. It was about relationship with people. Amen. Jesus says, I will build my church. The greatest thing that God is ever doing is he's building his church. So I want to go over some scriptures. Let's get right to the word about what church is. Let's look here, first of all, at the first one, Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Jesus has got his disciples together, his 12 disciples, and there were probably some other disciples there. People have been talking about who Jesus was. He was doing miracles and teachings. He comes down to this one all-important question, and the question is this, uh, can we go back? Uh, sorry. Matthew 16, 16 through 18 starts this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, so who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And I just believe Jesus was scanning over his 12 followers. Simon Peter was the only one who stood up, and this is what he said. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, man. Awesome, Peter. Really what Jesus is saying. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He was not saying, Peter, you're now the rock of the church. Peter means little pebble, little stone. He's saying, basically, you're little, but I'm the rock. The church will be built on Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter writes in his first chapter of his book, we are living stones built up into a spiritual house that Jesus is building. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So Christ gave himself... Himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ Jesus. From him, the whole body joined, held together. Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as we each are a part and does its work. Isn't that great? So I think you catch the theme here. We're not going to church, are we? We're changing our vocabulary in our, in our, in our home. We're saying, uh, we used to say, oh, we're going down to the church. I got to go down to the church and pick up some stuff. We're going down to church today. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to the church campus, but we are the church, right? Let's look at, let's look at one more, Psalm 92, 12. Psalm 92, 12, the righteous, that means those who have accepted Jesus Christ, and we know, let's just be real here, we know we're not righteous in everything we do, but we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, amen? The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. What he's saying is, when we get saved, we are to grow. A natural part of being saved and finding Christ is now he wants us to grow into this incredible tree, this plant that gives offering to everyone else around it. So here's a question I have. Four questions. I'm going to answer those questions with the Bible, and then we're going to wrap it up with some cool stories. Who is the church? Who is? 
the church. We know now because of what the Bible says, not what the church says, not what Pastor Mike says, not what any pastor or anybody. We know the church is God's people. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, how do we know that? Because 1 Corinthians, this is all through the New Testament. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We are all together on the team as the body of Jesus Christ. So he's basically saying to us, you are my people. Now, the word church, actually, the Greek word is ekklesia. The word ekklesia means called out ones. That means the gathering of people who are now called by Jesus Christ are now out in the world being the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We, we come to a service because we come to worship him. We come to be edified and encouraged, hear from God. We come to worship him. We come to do all those things because he commanded us to do. But this is really kind of like the huddle. And now we got the play from Jesus and we go out during the week and we now are the church. Does that make sense? I wanted to give you some just... Through the book of Acts, if you want to know, man, what was Christianity really like after Jesus had died, he was buried, he was rose again, and he ascended into heaven on the 40th day. He gave his disciples his final instructions, go into the whole world and preach the gospel, man. And then about two months later, all of a sudden, bam, the church starts exploding. The Holy Spirit comes down on the 12 disciples. And now we have this wonderful book called Acts of the Apostles, which really should have been named Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it was the Holy Spirit that was doing it through the men and women of God. And this exciting stuff. When I think about church, I don't think about this building. I think about you. I think about the power of God that works through you and does amazing things like feed the need, help children in Mexico, help people across the street in Mission Viejo who have all kinds of problems. When I hear stories about, yeah, we were sitting for hours listening to my friend's problems. These people are going through a divorce. These people got drug addiction, alcohol problems. This guy can't just stop porn. This guy can't do, he can't get his life right. That is the church. We are helping and loving people. When I see that, I see the power of God. Let me read for you in Acts. You don't have to turn there. I just want to read this. Just listen in. I want you to imagine with me. We are in first century Jerusalem area. Everybody's talking about Jesus. People don't have a church building necessarily to go to, but they are meeting in homes and they are worshiping, loving each other, and they're listening to the apostles teaching. They got their directive and now they're out in the streets of Jerusalem in everyday life, man. They are the church. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, it says, uh, Peter and John, basically two disciples of Jesus, who were out in the middle of the streets, healed this guy who was lame. He couldn't walk, and here's what happens. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, watch this, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They were just talking about Jesus had risen from the dead, right? They seized Peter and John because it was evening, and they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. Even in jail, they're sharing the gospel. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 people now. The church is exploding. The next day, rulers and elders and teachers of the law in Jerusalem, Annas and the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. We got you. You keep talking about this Jesus guy. Stop. By what power did you do this? What power did you raise this guy who was lame and he begs out in the middle of the street? We've seen him for years. Who do you think you are doing this? You ever had anybody come to you? Who do you think you are? Here was their answer. Then Peter, watch this, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's the church. That is church right there. We're doing something for somebody else. We're helping somebody to get healed. We pray for them. We love them in Jesus' name. All the things that you're doing, and then when there's opportunity, hey, Jesus did this. We didn't do anything. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that's using these guys. That's church. Let's go to another one. Say, well, I'm not really sure. Okay, Acts chapter 4. Turn over to 8 through 10 if you have your Bibles. Then Peter, watch this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, they're being questioned again, if, you are, if we are being called on account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, we say to you this, it is by the name of Jesus whom you crucified that God raised him from the dead that this man stands before you healed. I read that one. Let's go over to Acts 12, uh, 4, 12 through 13. Now this is where it really gets good, man. They continue in being bold. Salvation is found in no one else for there was no one else name given to heaven by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these were unschooled men, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note of these men that they had, watched this, been with Jesus. That's church. Say, well, I'm not really convinced. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. The disciples, people who are just following Jesus, 100 of them get together and they start praying in a house. Watch this. Because Peter and John are in prison, staying with me. Peter and John are in prison, right? Now the believers in another house are starting to pray. Which, by the way, the church that doesn't pray is powerless. Prayer is the power for the church, right? Remember church people, we're not talking about building. I thank God for this building. I thank God that we have five acres of property, even though we got bumps and stuff in the parking lot. Everything's not perfect. I thank God for the property because it gives us opportunity to do this so that we can be the church out there. Does that make sense? On their release, Peter and John, watch this, went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they had heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Watch this. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. Why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers together against you, Lord, and against the anointed one, meaning Jesus. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together in the Gentiles and with the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They're praying. Watch this prayer. I love this. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to go into the church building and hide. Oh, no, the government's going to get us. No, that's not what it says. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand. Heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And watch this. After they prayed, the whole place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled all with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. One more. Can we just do one more? In Acts chapter 4, verses, uh, I'm sorry, 5, 17 to 21, these guys are in jail again. For what? Breaking the law? No, they just shared the love of Jesus with everyone. Then the high priest, with all his associates, who were with the members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They didn't like the disciples because everyone was starting to follow Jesus. 
They arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, is what the angel said, and tell the people about this new life. We catch what's happening here? Church is in your business. Church is in your home. Church is in your neighborhood when you have block parties and hanging out with friends at barbecues and they're talking about their problems and their, their marriage and their family life. You are the church. You speak boldly. You live boldly. What does that mean? That means we follow Jesus' example. So question that everyone's always asking, who really runs this church? Who runs the church? Because the church is an organization. The church just wants money. The church is just all about you know, corporate. No. Church is you. It's me. Together. We are family, dude. I missed you over the past two weeks. It felt funny being away from church life with the gathering. It felt just, I felt out of sorts. I felt out of place missing two Sundays in a row because there's something longing in every heart for a community. Now, so who runs the church? Easy answer, right? Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head. Just because he's put earthly leaders here to help us, to build us up. Well, how do we know that? Because Ephesians 1.22 says, And God placed all things under whose feet? His feet. And appointed him to be head over everything for the who? Sure. Jesus is the head. He's our senior pastor. Now he gave us earthly leaders, pastors, and teachers and apostles in Ephesians chapter 4. Jesus is the head, but he gave us pastors and teachers to lead us to grow in our relationship with God. Anyone here ever play sports? Team sport. There's a coach. There's assistant coaches. Do the coaches stand on the sidelines and go, well, I don't know really what should we do today. I don't know. You guys go on the field and figure it out. That would never happen, right? They call the play. Everybody's in unity. Everybody's in subject to authority, the one that's above, meaning Jesus, his word. And we just call the plays, and now we are together as a team moving forward as a church community in this community to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Then he said over in the fifth chapter, you are the light of the world. What does that mean? A light shines in a dark place. It's funny to me how we... See people come to Jesus Christ every month. I thank God for every single one that comes to Jesus. Man, if it's one or a hundred every month, I'm just thankful that at least one person has given their life to Jesus Christ. Nothing better than giving your life to God. Amen. And one of the questions that sometimes people ask is, well, should I just come to church every day and just drop my non-Christian friends? No, no. Hang with your non-believing friends. Hang with your friends that aren't connected to God. How else? They're in the darkness, just like we were in the darkness. If we don't hang out with them, how are they going to see the light of God? How are they going to see the light of Jesus Christ? So Jesus is the head. He's given pastors, teachers, evangelists to help us to grow in our relationship with God. Remember we talked about growth is a natural part of being the church and a follower of Christ. Amen? Amen. So why do we gather? Why do we gather? Why do we even come to a place like this? Why would I get on my computer and waste an hour and 15 minutes of my time when I could be cutting my lawn? Yeah. Right, right? Because there's something about gathering together when Jesus said, we follow his example. In Luke chapter 4, 16, Jesus, when he was a young boy, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, stood up to read. Jesus went into the synagogue. He was in the place of worship, right? 
There's something about just when we get up, get in the car, get our kids here, go into the children's ministry, walk in. I know you're tired. I know you're thinking about a lot of things. I struggle with the same stuff, but there's something about coming here and the music starts and all of a sudden my heart changes and I get in the atmosphere. The spirit starts working. He starts opening up my mind and my heart. When I leave this place, I leave changed. I leave different. I'm ready to go for the entire week now. It's almost like going to the gas station, getting filled up because I need to be refilled. Right? So we gather because we follow Jesus' example, right? Now, there are four major reasons why we gather. Number one is love. Love. Didn't Jesus say the greatest of these, of all the things, is love? I, I can't love you unless I'm with you. You can't love me unless you're with me. That's why we need to connect together. We, we love each other. Jesus says, man, they'll know that you're my followers, not because of your expensive buildings. They'll know that you're my followers because you... Do great. They'll know that you're my followers because you what? Come on, you know it. You will love one another. I was walking out services. It was after everything, you know, services where I think it was maybe about 1.30 in the afternoon. We're walking out. All of our pastors, by the way, our leaders, we park off site because we want to provide more spaces for you. If Jesus had a car and he drove here, I believe he would, you know, walk across. Jesus probably just walked. But if he had a car... He would park across the street and let everyone else have the better. We just, we just want to love you in small ways. I was walking out up the hill to the ramp, and one of, the, one of you, I won't mention the name, drove past, and I think it was Pastor Brian and I were walking up, and they said, um, you guys shouldn't be walking around, man. You guys should, you know, you should be with us, driving in the car. And I just thought to myself, no, we, we should be walking, because every opportunity to love somebody else, even in small ways, we want to do that here. Amen. And I, I just believe that love is the power that makes the church run. It's love. People come because they're loved. Jesus says, love one another deeply from the heart in 1 Peter 1.22. Amen? Amen? We're also here to serve one another, man. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve one another with gladness. I get to help stack chairs. I get to help wipe down tables. I get to help in children's ministry. I get to help on Wednesday nights with our student ministries. I, I get to come down and, and help you know, uh, put together all the, the, the flyers for the next youth night. I, I get to help park cars. I get to greet people. And it's not, oh man, I, get, I have to do this stuff. No, we serve because we're glad. Why are we glad? Because we're saved. We've, we've met Jesus. He changed our life, and I just want to give back. One guy said after he got out of the baptistry, he said, now my life is just a whole big thank you card to God. That's it. My life is a thank you because, God, you've done so much for me. So we serve one another. That's just who we are. That's what we do. Why? Because that's what Jesus said. Jesus came not to be served, he said in Mark, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is one of the greatest places you can bring. If you have children, grandchildren, this, the church is the greatest place. And I know the church isn't the perfect place because we're imperfect people. But your kids will love this place because here we learn to serve. We learn to love. Kids learn to honor and father, or honor, honor their father and mother. They learn about authority and, 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 and all those great things in life. They learn about work ethic. It's not just about Jesus. It's about life skills. They, they learn those things by being together in community and we serve together with opportunities. It's relationship-based. It's not just coming and getting a lesson. It's coming in community, hearing from God, sensing God, getting my directive from God's word and and going doing the word of God. That's the church. 
Third is to glorify God. It's to glorify God. That's why we gather. Don't think of it as, oh, I got to get in the car. I got to get here. I got to get my word and then I got to get out of here. No, man, we're going to service today. I'm not going to church. I'm going to service today because we are the church to glorify God because God is amazing. Man, when I was sick for two weeks, man, I felt like a Mack truck hit me. I was laying up in my bedroom for like 10 to 11 days. I gave myself an extra day of quarantine because I didn't want my wife to get this thing. Can I just tell you that the body is amazing? There were a couple days that I was like, I just felt like, Lord, if you take me now, I'm fine with that. And, and I just, the body just regenerated. He designed us to heal. He designed us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even if my body doesn't get better, I thank God because he's in charge. He knows what he's doing. So why do we go to a gathering? Why do I watch online? To glorify God. Sing to the Lord. I don't really like the songs. I don't like the music. I don't, what's all this haze? I can't see. We, you know, we could get so caught up in all the stuff. Why does the pastor have holes in his jeans? We could go through all that stuff, but that doesn't, the Bible says sing to the Lord, man. He's commanded us to, you ever wonder why did God command us to sing songs to God? Because he knows when we sing, something happens. My wife and I went to a concert at Irvine with our life group. By the way, if you're not in the life group, you got to get in the life group. Not just about the study every, every week, but we get together for community hangout. We were with our life group at this concert at, at Irvine. And um, what was the guy's name? Tijuana. Um, yeah, anyway, he was really good. He was doing some of the 80s and 90s songs. It was really good. I was amazed. As soon as the music, you know, everyone's kind of hanging out, beach chairs and stuff. There's maybe, I don't know, 500 people. All of a sudden, the music started. People get up. They start dancing. They're lifting their hands. They're singing. They're dancing together. All this stuff. Music has a way to change the atmosphere. You could be driving down the road in a horrible mood. Just go home, kick the dog, kick the watch. Just, and all of a sudden, the song comes on. And all of a sudden, the posture changes. Just an atmosphere can change. That's why God gave music. Because he knows that something happens in the heart. And when we sing these scriptural songs, right? Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Listen, it's okay if you come in here and go, I don't really feel like singing because I'm really in a mad mood. I sometimes have to force myself. Yes, come on, get in, sing. God's going to do something here. Be faithful, Lord. You are faithful. You be faithful, Mike, to God. You see where this is going? We come to glorify God. We come to sing because it's good. And by the way, for those that are here, if this is your church home, please be on time. Okay? We're not going to lock doors. We figured out, you know, at 9 o'clock, we're going to lock the doors. And we're not going to do that. But here's the deal. First of all, I don't want to miss one minute of worshiping my God. That's number one. Second is, when guests come in here and there's 25 people in the room, oh, this sounds like a real happening place. I think I'm coming back here. Part of the responsibility is being here and my heart is engaged. It's not just about me. It's not just about getting my praise on, dude. It's about others who come into this place who are looking for God and they may see God in you. They see God in the church worshiping God. This is just a building. The building doesn't get on fire. You get on fire by the Holy Spirit. When you sing, when you got your Bible open, and God, teach me something today. Give me just one word today, God. That's the church in the holy huddle, man. And then we get to go out and we get to be the church. We don't go to church. Number four, last one is care. We care for one another. Oh my gosh, emails, texts, cards I got in the mail. I, you know, I, I was sick for two weeks. As I mentioned, I, people caring, you caring for me? It was like, Wow. You can't get that in the world. 
You can't get the follow through you get in Jesus Christ from the world. You, you can't. I've been there. I lived on both sides of the fence, man. When you get into community and you start caring for somebody, they will care for you. And it just happens. We are an amazing family together. When I lost my parents, I can't tell you, two, three years ago when my, my parents passed away, how difficult, and you know when you lose somebody that's so special to you, that's the most difficult thing to go through. I can't tell you the overwhelming love and care and just long-suffering that this church gave my family. I would be dead without the church. And remember, church is you. They, 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 if they take away the building, they're not take away Jesus. They take away the building, they're not taking away worship. We'll worship out on the lawn. We'll get in a parking lot. I don't care. We're going to worship Jesus Christ. You are the church. We are the church. Now, what's the church for? Last one. What's the church for? Do we just get together, sing a few songs, listen to a message, throw a few bucks in the offering, play and go home and go to the beach and go to Disneyland? I just got things to do. No, no, it's so much more than that. We encourage others to build community. Building community. Isn't that what everyone's looking for? Before I got saved, man, I used to have a community of people, guys with me. We were a, little, a band of brothers, but it was superficial. Because as soon as some tragedy, as soon as some crisis, man, they were gone. As soon as I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, my friends, they wanted nothing to do with me. Oh, you're one of those. You're going to church now. Oh, no, we don't want any part of that. You find out who your true friends are, man, when you go through something big, right? Community. Community means we do life together. That's why we're always bugging you. Get in a life group, get in a life group, get in a life group. Next steps, starting point. You got to get in that stuff. Why? I don't really like people. I don't really like hanging out with people. I don't want to get together with anybody. I just want to be by myself. I don't want to talk to anybody. Don't touch me. I get that. There are some times, but look, it's good for our health. It's good for our spiritual life to get in community. What's the second one? Letter B. Put into practice what we've learned from God's word. That's what we do. It's a church for. We put into practice the word of God. And the last one, bringing lost people to know God. Woo! This one trumps everything. Seeing somebody put their faith in Jesus Christ, there is nothing better than seeing that. So I have a group of guys that we started meeting with. There was about three or four guys. This is about five or six years ago. We meet on Saturday mornings here at the church campus, right? We're changing our vocabulary. We meet at the campus, and here's what we do. We just go straight through the New Testament verse by verse. And if it takes us three weeks to get through verses five and six, then we're going to do that. But we are going through the New Testament. Why? Because I believe when men get around the word of God and women, but specifically, sometimes guys just need guys. When we get into the word of God together on Saturday mornings for a complete hour and we read the text and there's teaching and then some guy says, you know, it's interesting. So I was going through something about verse four and this guy will say something about verse four. This guy says something about verse eight and this guy brings around the corner something that happened to him when he was a kid about verse 23. And all of a sudden I've got this whole perspective about what, and God is speaking to me and I'm around brothers who are like-minded that's that, and then it's not just about gathering on Saturday. We are doing life together. Let me tell you about Steve. Steve works with our, serves with our high school ministry. Let me tell you about um, Pat, a guy named Pat, who's now on First Impressions team here at MVCC. Skip, who helps build sets and builds props for the children's ministry and youth ministries when they need things built. A guy named Bob works with our high school ministry. Dave Gargano works and serves every Sunday 
Single guy, lost his wife. He's serving in children's ministry, leading children to Jesus Christ under Pastor Stephanie's ministry. Paris is now a guy that's on front team, uh, uh, welcome team here at MVCC. Troy, now jumped on team, is in first impressions. Scott is one of our guys who not only co-leads with me, but he's there every Sunday morning setting everything up when we're having church outside. Got here at seven in the morning with a group of other guys setting up tents and chairs. Why, why would we do all that stuff? Because our life is a big thank you card to God, right? Now, out of that group, I'm hearing stories, and I wanted to invite these three guys up just real quick. This is Christopher, Jim, and Steve. I wanted them to share their stories. I just wanted you to see a real-life visual about what the church is, okay? The church, remember, who is the church? We are the church, right? And what we, it's not so much what we do here that's most important. It's what we do out there. But here's where we have community, Here's where we get our directive. Here's where we get our marching orders for Jesus Christ. Now, I'll introduce you to Christopher. Christopher is a friend of mine. I've known him for about 10 years now. He just recently gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he said it was okay that I just kind of introduce his story. He had an alcohol problem, big time. He found that he was just at his lowest. He gives his life to Jesus Christ. Not only does Jesus help him get sober, but he saves him. And now he's serving Jesus Christ at MVCC. Um, isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Jim Graham's been here longer than I've been in this church, but he's still on fire serving Jesus Christ. He's not just coming on Sunday and sitting. He's involved. He's one of my co-leaders on Saturday morning. I, sometimes I just go, hey, Jim, I just need to talk to you for a second. I'll call him. Tell me what happened today, man. What, what happened to you today? Well, this and this, and God did this, and God's doing this, and this person, he's just telling me like what God's doing during the week. Why? Because he's engaged. We'll hear from his story in just a second. Steve is a guy that is a first responder. Not only he served in the military and the army, but he was a fire, firefighter for how many? 30? 31. 31 years. Let's hear it for our first responders, right? <laughs> Woo! Hoo, 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 hoo. Driving the fire truck, dude. He's heroic. He is in the adventure of life, literally saving lives. He just retired couple months ago from the fire department. Thank you, man, for your service. But he didn't retire from God. We'll hear from him. So Christopher, would you just tell us really quick, man, about how God pulled you into now? He's serving high school ministry on, as a volunteer basis. Would you just tell us real quick about what God's doing through you in that? Yeah, so, um, you know, first and, and foremost, God, God um, you know, he served me with salvation. Um, I, I, was, I was in you know, he showed me the peace that um, was the storm of my life, honestly. Um, he pulled me out, and, and now my life is a big thank you letter to, to back to him. Um, you know, I, I came to this church pretty broken, and um, I saw guys like Pastor Zach and, and Jonathan and um, all these these high school kids who, who are, you know, really, really doing well. And I, I just knew I needed to be of service to God, and um, I, I looked to these men, and you know, approached them and, and got involved with the high school ministry. And honestly, uh, when, I, when I first started, the kids were, you know, I deal with uh, 11th and 12th graders. I say deal. Um, <laughs> but um, I lead 11th and 12th graders. And, and at first, you know, that I walked in and they're just like on their phones and like acting all cool. But, um, you know, it got to the point now where, where they're asking questions and they're, they're really wondering you know, how, how can I be of better service? You know, this kid, Andrew, he serves here. He helps park the cars. And, you know, he's one of my students. And, and to see 
him flourish and, and ask questions and, and, you know, build a meaningful life with, with God is just, you know, something that I can look at and, and be um, humble myself, you know. And, and the, the main thing for my service is to get out of myself yeah. and, and really just, you know, humble myself with love. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for serving on team at NBCC. Jim, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but you've been here longer than me, man. I know, God, your heart is on fire for Jesus. Tell us about serving here and why it's so important. Well, first off, I'm 39. Awesome. <laughs> was last year, too. Um, I just want to say that, first off, I'd like to thank Rich Okita. Rich uh, came up to me one time and asked me to serve. And I tell you what, it changed my life. It totally changed my life. I wrote a few things down here. But one thing it did is it gave me an attitude of gratitude, of gratitude to what the Lord has given me. That was a dark time when Rich asked me that, and it just changed everything. Because one thing I've learned about sharing, it's about love. Jesus was love. If you want to look like Jesus, serve. Because that's what it's about. It's sharing and it's caring. It's about sharing your life and your testimony with people, and it's, it's hearing theirs. And everybody has a story. Uh, it's about hope. You know, uh, I didn't feel like I had hope when I uh, first started all, with all of this. And uh, my world was just falling apart, and it just gave me hope again. I truly believe that serving is the cure for depression. Yeah. And uh, we were talking here recently that... Uh, it takes our mind off of us, and it puts us back to Jesus. It puts us back to serving in others. You don't think about your problems when you're serving. You think about how can I help other people. And, and it, it's, it, I believe it's also the cure for bad marriages. It's a cure for bad relationships. It's a cure for trouble with your teenagers. If you start serving them, uh, you'll, it's, it's a whole different thing. It, it's giving a helping hand to anybody who needs it. And uh, I find my kids tell me all the time, says, geez, Dad, you're always helping everybody. You know, and I said, no, they're helping me. And uh, uh, the, it'll take you to a whole different place with the Lord. It'll take you to a whole different place that you, you didn't even know you could go there. Um, and the, the, one of the beautiful things that a friend shared with me one time, and it's so true, when the Lord puts two people together, he never does it for the benefit of one. You will get more out of whatever the Lord puts you in the path of someone to help them. You will get more out of it than the person you're, you thought you were there to help. And he just works that way. Mm. So, it, and, and through all of this, it has just taken me so much deeper in my faith. Uh, it, uh, I, and I think that when people see Jesus in you, as Pastor Mike says, help me uh, lead the, the Saturday morning study. And I go on a Zoom Bible study group uh, seven days a week. If anybody ever told me I would be doing that, I wouldn't believe you. But I go on seven days a week from 7 to 7.30, and it's a prayer group. And it's most astounding people, and they're all over the world. I now have friends in Africa, in England, in Canada, all over the world. And uh, just because of serving, by opening my heart up. Sweet. Thanks, Jim. Awesome. And you're part of our First Impressions team here, welcoming people. So Steve is, as I mentioned, firefighter, retired, but not retired from God's service. Been the heroic adventure man that you were living. How is God using you now? Good morning, church. Um, yeah, you know, even though I was in the fire department and the US, U.S. Army working on tanks, it's exciting, right? But that didn't mean everything because, um, tell you, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, he changed me, and um, now um, I got plugged into a Bible study with Pastor Mike, a life group, and um, just the life group working, and then I got plugged in with the high school ministry, because uh, I'm going to tell you a story about my two sons. I have two sons, and one was the prodigal son, 
Pastor Mike, I was one of you just sitting out there in the audience, but I had a prodigal son, and people know my prodigal son. Pastor Mike taught on the prodigal son. My son left to Hawaii the next day, and he went through a lot. Three years later, he comes back. The message Pastor Mike taught was not even planned, was the prodigal son. Okay? That's a miracle. But it was still work on him. And so my oldest boy was plugged in the high school ministry here, very involved here, and my daughter. Well, my son that was struggling saw him plugged into the ministry. Well, here I'm working hard, Disneyland fire, LA City fire, doing all this stuff all the time. Well, when my kid got older, my son now, the one that's a prodigal son, joined the military. He's in the Air Force now and married to a great Christian girl. But I said, what can I do? There's more to it than just Bible study. So what I did, I, um, I started getting involved with other Bible study, but then Pastor Mike and said, you know what, you'd be good in the high school ministry. And I was always being tugged to go that route, to lead. And being in the fire department and being in the, in the Army, you know, I'm a, I'm a soldier. But you know what? I want to be a soldier for Christ. I want to be a firefighter that goes to the fire and rescues our children, your children. Yeah. Uh, it breaks my heart because I want to reach out to your kids to save them before they get to that point. Mm. You know, they don't need to go through the worldly things that's in television and everything. I, Pastor Mike didn't tell me to, to speak this long, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> I love your kids, and Christopher is my partner. Look These how, two guys are in the same life group. And we're in school, two yeah. age groups. He's 30. I'm, I'm double his age. <laughs> but, man, he's young and I'm old. But the thing is, he can reach out to him. I just kind of give my knowledge. So here, I just want to say something. I didn't think I could do this. I just want to read some um, passages here. It was Exodus 4, because I didn't think I could speak up here. I was nervous pacing last night. But when God gives, um, calls you to a task... He will furnish the means and ability to fill that task. Okay? So here, when I'm teaching the kids, I'm there in that meeting every Wednesday to teach your kids how to pray, how to get out their spiritual gifts so they can be Christian men. And then um, that's what we do with the kids, right? So, you know, even though I'm out there preaching the word of God, um, I just hope and pray that what I, my thoughts and what I do is not come from me. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen, brother. And everything that my, our men's group does, guys, get involved. Amen. You'll see the Holy Spirit work. Amen. And it changed my kid's life. So Amen. thank you, Pastor Mike. Thanks, thank you, church, for everything you thank guys you have done. Thank you, guys. Let's help thank our, uh, our brothers. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your story. I just want to finish up with one quick thing here. Uh, my wife loves going to the Redwoods. Anybody here? The Redwoods? I love those trees, man. Some of them are like 300 feet tall. Let's just take a quick look at some of these. These are amazing creations of God, right? I didn't know, but these Redwoods, the roots only go down 20 feet. And when you cut one of the Redwoods, obviously we know, all these rings represent the years. Now I want you to just think about this for a second. How many years, for some of you, have been walking with the Lord? You have rings in your life that God wants you in community to help other people with what God has taken you through. 
And for some of us here that are just newborns, some of us here that have just given our life to Jesus, we got maybe one ring, right? And there are many rings ahead of us. But when we do it together, right, it expands, it grows, and it goes deeper. Now, here's the last thing about this. This is why the redwoods are so strong, because underneath the roots intertwine together. It only goes down about 20 feet. It's amazing. I was doing some reading on this, and the, the literally what these, these, these roots look like is they all intertwine and connect together. And because they are so connected together, they are strong. And they're a blessing to so many that walk through the redwoods. That's the church. We want people to get blessed because why? We're working together. God is strong in us, and we are truly being the church. Just last here on your notes, some action points. What do we do as, as a result of this? If you're watching this online or listening to this online, find a church now. Get planted in. Don't just jump from church to church. Get in a church. Devote to that church. Be a part of that community and dig in and serve, right? Second is this. Once you find a church, get plugged in. We have starting point and we have next steps. Those are inroads for you to get connected in here, build that community, and build your faith. And I promise nobody's going to bite you. Nobody's going to handle any snakes up here. No one's going to do anything like that. Come to starting point. We talked about that. That's just a place, a lunch that gets, we get together every other month, and we talk about MVCC, what, believe in, what we believe in, who we are, and what we do. Join Next Steps. We heard about that on the video. Six weeks of just getting together. How, what do we believe? How do I live as a Christian? How do I get connected in and serve? And of course, joining a life group. Getting together in a community of people and finding community is going to be one of the greatest rewards. And join a team. We have seven teams here at Missionville Christian Church. These guys are on a team. I know many of you are on a team. And the team is here to be the church here so that when we go out there, we are a powerful force for Jesus Christ. Amen? So we are going to stop going to church what we are the church, right? Father, we thank you for the word that's so crystal clear to us, God. I thank you for lives that are changed and future lives and generations that are going to change because of what you're doing through this generation now, God. We pray for the influence of MVCC in our community, God. And anyone here today, Lord, that just doesn't feel loved or feeling misplaced or feeling like we just don't fit in anywhere, God, we thank you that you have already grafted us in, that you've already accepted us and received us as a son and a daughter of you. So God, we thank you for that faith, the simple faith that you ask for in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.